0: Any doubted
1: we'd ever see it, but here it is. The return to glory. McDavid
0: stops up. What a move. Shoots. Scores. Hey,
1: everybody, and welcome to podcast number eight. It's the Outsiders with myself, Bryn Griffiths, and Robin Brownlee. How are you doing today?
0: Well, I'm terrific, Bryn, but... Then again, I didn't have to try and get across the Walterdale Bridge this morning. Nobody in the rest of Canada
1: cares or knows what we're talking about, but there was... Well, actually, that's not true, because this
0: environmental protest was right across the country. 60 60, uh, cities or, or towns, apparently.
1: Yes, across the globe, but in Canada, it would hit Halifax, Montreal, Toronto, Edmonton, Vancouver. Those are the only ones I've heard about so far, but... Like I said, we we made it. We're here. We're in one piece, and yeah. we move
0: on. I'm all I am all good now. But uh, uh, it was a little zany this morning. Well, I think I I, I guess if you're worried about climate change and that's uh, a legitimate concern. I would suggest the uh, the way not to do it is to stop people from getting downtown to their jobs at seven in the morning and having thousands of cars sitting there idling while you block the bridge. But maybe that's just me. <laughs>
1: okay, fair enough. And I, I tend to agree with you. I don't know if that's the best way. They were handing out cookies. However,
0: save your cookies. Get off the damn road. There you go. Thank you.
1: Okay, let's get to actual sports. The Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames have come out of the gate well to start the season. It's funny. I actually think Calgary's played better than the Edmonton Oilers, but the Oilers are 2-0 and as they head into Long Island on Tuesday, New Jersey on Thursday, MSG on Saturday, and Chicago on Monday. The Flames, in the meantime, are 1-1. and they are home to los angeles tuesday in dallas thursday vegas saturday and in san jose on sunday but both teams i guess have got to be pleased with the way it's gone so far
0: well i would think so and and here in edmonton you know the oilers are 2-0 and there was lots not to like about that 6-5 win over the la kings i mean that's not the way dave tippett drew it up but look when you've been as miserable and out of contention as the Oilers have been for years on end now, save uh, that one appearance in the playoffs three years ago, you take the win, especially early when your lineup's not completely set, and you move on. The fans left the building buzzing, and I, in this town, I think fans would rather leave for the parking lot, feeling entertained and and talking about what a barn burner it was, then lamenting a well-played loss. They won the game. You and I have
1: hung around long enough to have heard the expression numerous times from a particular coach in Edmonton, and that is, I don't critique the wins. However, that makes for rather boring talk, radio, or podcasts. I just thought that they were a complete gong show on their own end. <laughs> Mike Smith uh, it just looked awful on three goals, but Dave Tippett has seen that show before and hung in there with Mike Smith, whose energy level I think is, without without a doubt in my mind, is is transforming this team and is, is feeding this team a little bit. And also he's moving the puck out of his own end so effectively, especially in the first game, that – The blue liners have got to be a little – it's hard to forecheck them the way they used to, but L.A. was a pretty hard forechecking team.
0: Well, I mean Smith had a tough game against LA. Uh, you know, rule rule 1 is stop the puck. If rule 2 happens to be handle the puck, that's fine cuz Mike Smith is good at it. And when you have a goaltender that handles the puck like he does, you're you know, you're going to have mistakes. What I like about Mike Smith and of uh, people who've been around not that long but long enough to remember the 2006 Cup run with the Oilers, the thing about Mike Smith that wins fans over, he's a little bit like Dwayne Rolison in that he battles. Yeah. He raises the energy level. Does he make mistakes? Damn sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, two of those goals were on him, and a third one was kind of leaky under the R8, got through him. But the fact is, he battles and he's in the fight, and you know you, you, you take the video of that one and you put it somewhere where no one can see it and you move on to the road as the Oilers are doing now because when there's been so little success, as fans have seen here, uh, like you said, like I said, take the two points, move on to the next one, be better in that game. Let's lo- not lament a game where you, where you got the two.
1: And one more Euler note, they head off on this road trip knowing that they're not going to have Adam Larson in their lineup for the next six to eight weeks with a broken fibula. And we've seen guys before, Robin, who've had the same injury. And while they're out six to eight weeks, it could take another four weeks just for that person to feel comfortable. And they may not feel comfortable for the remainder of the season. He's not coming back right now until the end of the year. And what what kind of Adam Larson are we going to see? When he comes back,
0: well, that's going to be a big part of it. I mean, we saw with you know longer term injuries like uh, Andre Sekera, where he he just couldn't get back to being what he was. The thing here, and I'll I'll not get carried away because saying they have enough, the Oilers have enough depth anywhere is tricky at this point. I think they're better equipped to handle uh, the loss of Larson. They're not throwing a raw. 19, 20-year-old kid in his spot. If Pearson can play up, if Ethan bear, uh can fill a spot, the, you know, the left side of the defense is the solid side with the veteran guys. You know, Ethan bear has got a couple of pro seasons under his belt. Pearson's an older player who's been over in Europe. It's not ideal, but I think it's something they, they can play through. The problem with this group, as it would be with virtually any group, is you better hope that nobody else gets hurt because the Oilers were struggling a little bit last year, not only when Oscar Clefbaum went down, but when Chris Russell was gone too. You took those two out of there, and it just spiraled out of control. So they head out on the road. I think they're okay, but again, uh, that injury factor looms large if they get another one.
1: And we were talking about the fact that Calgary Flames are 1-1. and Well, I can tell you right now, they could easily have been 2-0. and The first game was against Colorado. That was a great hockey game to watch, by the way. That avalanche team, mm-hmm. they can fly. Yep. But the one thing that was very impressive to me about the Calgary Flames is David Riddich. Man, oh man, he's been giving them great goaltending. He looks way more confident this season. That's the kind of thing the Calgary Flames were hoping for. And David is also credited, weirdly enough, Mike Smith for the way he started to handle the puck a little bit. He also has the same kind of temperament as Mike Smith where he gets a little more emotional and the team is feeding off of that emotion. So I've been very impressed, as I said, with uh, with the way the Calgary Flames have come out of the gate, even though they're one and one. And uh, they're now, uh, as I say, playing Los Angeles at home to, to kick this week off, and then they're off on the road. The Winnipeg Jets. I watched uh, the other night against the New York Islanders. The Winnipeg Jets. Everybody's uh, looking at uh, Hellebuck as being uh, their number one guy. I still believe he is, but he's, you know, he says he's happy with the way he's playing, but it just didn't look very good in the starting game. But they went with Laurent Bressois against the Islanders, and I thought he gave them really solid net minding. There's just they seem a little out of sync right now. But the Winnipeg Jets will be fine. And the other thing they're not doing is they're rush. They're not going to rush. Dustin Bufflin, to make a decision. Mm-hmm. and I think that that's a real smart call on their part.
0: I like Laurent Bressois. Jeez, the Oilers could use a backup like him, couldn't they? <laughs> Don't get me started on that. Uh, okay, let's take a look at some other things, too. And we're going to be uh, chatting
1: uh, about the Edmonton Eskimos coming up in a little bit because they are desperately hanging on right now. The BC Lions are starting to surge. Surprise! to Calgary Stan. Peter stumbled in Montreal the other day, but they really do struggle in Montreal. But right now, focusing on the Edmonton Eskimos and the BC Lions, is there any possible way that the Edmonton Eskimos are going to blow this, even though they have the tiebreaker?
0: No, but I think they might have their hands full. I don't think BC can win out is the thing, and that's essentially what has to happen. The Eskimos already have the season series, with the Lions, they can do themselves a big favor and remove any drama or or mystery uh, by beating the Lions. But I tell you what, when you've had as frustrating a season as the BC Lions have had, and you've got Mike Riley as the quarterback, they just beat the shit out of Toronto. It was not even close. For fun. And they're going to come in here, and they can win this football game. They may. I don't see them getting in because, like I say, it's got to be all or nothing. And and uh, I think the Eskimos can win. But I tell you what, they're going to come in all jacked up and ready to go. And the Eskimos better take care of business. Then they can concentrate on getting themselves right. Because if they've got to go into uh, facing Saskatchewan back to back, having to win a game while the status of Trevor Harris is unknown and playing as badly as they have, uh, that's trouble. Take care of business against the BC Lions, and then you know you're in and try and get yourself right in time for the playoffs. Because right now, even if they make it, they're going nowhere. And how about the Saskatchewan
1: Rough Riders beating Winnipeg also this past weekend? So the Green Riders are all alone in top spot in the West. Good for them. Sure. they, They have had a tremendous season. Uh, Corey Fergiardo has been uh I want to talk about an what an amazing year he's having. Great story. Yeah. Oh, it's been fantastic. But uh, good for the riders. They are looking good. Nice to see the building jacked up. But it always is. Even when it was Taylor Field, it was jacked up. and now we're at Mosaic. It's uh, the exact same way. And finally, the baseball playoffs are underway. Robin, one of the things that I've noticed is my enthusiasm level for watching the baseball playoffs, and that's saying a lot because I love baseball in the month of October, but I really feel in some ways that the Blue Jays season, as awful as it was, I started to tune out by the time we got to August because they just weren't even in it. And I almost feel like it's dampened my enthusiasm for watching the, the baseball playoffs. Now, that could
0: change. But uh, are you watching many games at all? Or are you a guy that watches games in October? You know what? I, I My interest, my rooting interest years and years before I got into this sports uh, biz, I was, as a kid, I was an Oakland A's fan. I've always had interest uh, when the A's are in it. In fact, I was kind of pissed off when uh, the, the local AAA team here years ago uh, the Edmonton Trappers became affiliated with the Oakland A's after all those years at the California angels and then the uh, Florida Marlins, because it meant I couldn't wear my Oakland A's jacket around the park. Cause otherwise you look like a Homer. Yeah. And you can't really walk into the visiting <laughs> clubhouse wearing an Oakland A's jacket. No. Uh, the swing and A's were always it for me as a kid. Uh, you know, everybody else is a distant second. I'm kind of with you. I, I I'm not, that concerned whether the Blue Jays are, are in and out. My any affiliation I had before supposedly becoming objective uh, was with a different team. I didn't go, oh, the Blue Jays are in the major leagues. Now they're Canadian. I must cheer for them. So uh eh, I'm I'm lukewarm on the whole thing. When we get to the World Series, I'll watch You'll it. Be sure. there. Yep. Coming up on our podcast
1: today, we're gonna to be chatting with Ken Reed, Sportsnet Anchor. He has the privilege of working alongside the stunning Ivanka Osmak. That's got to be tough.
0: That's got to be a tough gig. And, And Ken's the one wearing the pink shorts, by the way. Yes. He's the author of a new book, Eddie Shack
1: Hockey's Most Entertaining Stories. Crazy Maritimer that he is. Lived in Edmonton for a while. He's he's lived actually. He's worked in a lot of different stations across the country. We'll mm-hmm. get to that as well. So Ken Reed coming up shortly, and also we're going to talk a little. Uh, well, I was going to say it's CFL talk, but it isn't because we're trying to figure out exactly what what the hell's going on with the Edmonton Eskimos, with uh, Jerry Mondajong from uh, Post Media, and uh, Jerry has been on the beat for eleven years. He's seen it all. He's seen an awful lot this year, though.
0: What do yeah. you say? And not much of it good since that six three start. Uh no. And you know, anyway, we'll we'll kind of do a bit of a, a
1: dissection of the Eskimo season to this point, and maybe kind of look ahead to see if they're going to make it or not. You and I both think that they're going to, but man, oh man, they're making it interesting. So lots coming up here on the Outsiders today. We look forward to Ken Reed when we come back. Okay, so I I knew he was a broadcaster. I had no clue he was this accomplished an author, but Ken Reed of Sportsnet joins us on The Outsiders today. Kenny, how you doing?
2: Good. Uh, Author's a big word. I just prefer a guy who writes books. Author makes me sound smart, and you guys know me well enough to know no author, if you know what I'm saying. And
0: we've read the books.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I like the picture part. (laughs) Yeah, the pictures are good. The pictures are good. Okay, how many
1: books have you done?
2: Uh, this will be five. So that's pretty wow. crazy. But uh, but one of the good things about working at Sportsnet and working nights is I work nights, so I have time during the day. So um, can't afford a golf membership in Toronto, so I have to do something. <laughs>
0: right? You know what? What I think is really cool about it, Ken. Seriously, it's a pretty eclectic mix of stuff you've done, like favorite hockey cards and such. And and hey, Eddie Shack. I mean. Could you not find an older guy? Could you not have done something on Howie Morens or something?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know. Eddie's up there. He's awesome, though, man. It's uh, The good, cool thing about working with Eddie was that I just wanted the, the book to be as if you guys, as if you, Robin, and Bryn, were just sitting at the bar with Eddie and he was telling stories. So that's kind of the format we use. We stumbled into this uh, format where it's not, you know, I was born in 1936. It's just... <laughs> Eddie's just rambling and telling stories, and I kind of just jumbled them all together. So, like I say in the intro, we're not doing Shakespeare. So, it's uh, it's just two guys shooting it, and uh, I kind of just was the typist for the whole time.
1: So, the book is Eddie Shack, Hockey's Most Entertaining Stories. What made you think about going this road?
2: Well, actually, I was uh, tracked down for this one. Um, Brian Aaronworth who runs Framework Sports Marketing in Toronto, and I'm sure everybody listening has a Framework piece in their, in their man cave. Um, him and I are buddies, and he just called me up one day. He said, any interest in writing a book with Eddie Shaq? I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, Eddie's always in the shop. I think he's got a book, and he's always telling these crazy, crazy story. So I said, sure, I'll come talk to Eddie. You know, I'm an old-school hockey fan, and mm-hmm. I obviously know who Eddie Shaq is. So uh, I didn't know Eddie beforehand. I uh, met him a couple times, you know, at events and things like that. But uh, we sat down, Eddie started talking, and uh, and, you know, at first we – We kind of just said, "Okay, we'll write your standard uh, hockey book, you know, your sixty to eighty thousand word book." But then his stories were really lively, and uh, you know, and it was kind of neat because pictures mean a lot to Eddie, and I think it's probably because he's he's illiterate. But pictures really mean a lot to to Eddie. He said, "I want this picture. I want this picture. I want this picture." So we kind of settled on a forty thousand word coffee table book because that that, I think that's kind of what Eddie wanted, and uh, so I guess I, I was. I was just kind of contacted out of the blue, um, last April. So it came together really fast, really fast, but it was, it was a fun, fun thing to do. So Eddie and I just, just sit down, whether it was in his grads or at a restaurant or at Cramworth and away we went and he just held court.
1: Is he as lively as we all think he is, or is he kind of quiet? <laughs> is he kind of quiet to start and then he kind of warms up to you?
2: He kind of, you kind of, he's kind of like a wind up toy. Uh, he's, he's not always on, but when he's on, he's really on. But when you see him in public, he's on, he's like, he's really on. But at his house, he's quiet. His, his wife's this charming lady, um, beautiful lady. Um, and, and she kind of, she runs the roost. So, but, but Eddie's, Eddie's always putting on a show when the boys are around, He's putting on a show. But I think when, when, uh, when he's alone, he's a pretty, pretty quiet guy, but, uh, he, uh, he knows who pays the bills and he knows that the Eddie Shack thing is a it's an actual thing so he's pretty much always on but he's a he's a, he's a he's a pretty charming guy
0: Yeah he is uh, I I ran into Eddie at uh, Maple Leaf Gardens right in the Oiler beat and uh you know he is an interesting guy I mean you go to an b- old building like that and you know I don't know how often Eddie was around but George Armstrong was always around guys like that I mean I'm much older than you can I was I was uh, nine years old for that 67 cup that Eddie oh, wow. uh, won with the Maple Leafs. I saw him play. I remember him more in expansion uh, with Buffalo and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it a bit of an eye-opener for you to actually sit down with a guy like that? You can see a guy on YouTube. You can read up yeah. on him. You sit down with a guy like Eddie Shack. He's got stories to tell, and it's from a totally different era than you're, you're from.
2: It is a totally different era, and that's what was so different about speaking with him as opposed to to a modern player. Just you know, Eddie, Eddie was a guy who liked to get paid. He makes no secret he liked to get paid. And, and I mean, one year he held out so he could get forty thousand bucks. That sounds hilarious, but he was one. He was the highest paid LA king, making around forty five fifty thousand bucks a year.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, expansion obviously helped him. He wasn't afraid to go anywhere and play. He enjoyed LA. He enjoyed Buffalo, Pittsburgh. Um, but the, yeah, Robin, the other cool thing about Eddie was he came into the NHL, you know, in fifty nine when everybody had a brush cut. He left in seventy four when he had this giant mustache and kind of scraggly beetles hair. Mm-hmm. So he's kinda of, he kinda of linked the, the two eras, the, the wild, colorful seventies and the, the button down original six era. But uh just like listening to what they do on the road, Eddie said, Oh, we go out for draft and we drink twenty five cent draft and you know, you'd spend your $10 per diem. So it's totally, totally, totally different. They they weren't going to find steakhouses for team meals or or anything like that. And one thing I was thinking about today, because I have a kid in minor hockey now, and it's, you know, he plays once a week. He's having fun. He's six years old. And it's so, it's so out of control now. Like they got a skills coach and stuff. And Eddie was just a guy who played in Sudbury on the pond. And then when he was 14, the New York Rangers saw him. Like, I mean, it's, it's just, it's told, it, I think, yeah, it was totally foreign to me, and it will be totally foreign to a lot of people who pick this book up for sure.
0: Well, I mean, the stories aside, Ken, you know, Eddie could have just as easily ended up working uh, in a car wash or mm-hmm. sp- at a hardware store. He's one of those earthy guys. And you touched on it earlier. I think one of the things, especially people of this generation, who don't remember Eddie Shack wouldn't know. I mean, he was essentially illiterate in many ways as yep. a young man. That's a tough way to come up. Did Did he talk to you about that in any great length? Because to me, it's amazing. Today, people would find that astounding. But he yep. was not alone in that in his era.
2: No, he wasn't, and he did talk about it. He said that's why he started working at such a young age. He hated school. So when he's 12 years old, he figures, well, I'm not going to be a rocket scientist. I'm going to start working. So he's in a butcher shop cutting heads off chickens. Um, and his dad would come to that butcher shop and basically beg him, Eddie, please go play. Go go out and play with kids. Be a kid. And that's kind of what encouraged him to keep going with hockey was just his dad. Not forcing him to play like a lot of fathers these days would do, but just actually kind of just saying to him, it's his son, look, you're only 12 Once, Go play. You don't have to be working all the time. But I think Eddie gets his work ethic from the fact that he can't read. So he knows he's always got to hustle to make a buck. That's kind of what, what's, what's driven him. And even when he was playing in the NHL, you know, he was flipping cars. He was doing every endorsement he could. He was always trying to keep keep secure and, and get that nest egg built up. And I think it's because he knew, you know, he wasn't going to be a lawyer or a doctor and he was going to have to earn his keep. But yeah, I mean, he talks about getting his driver's license at the age of 13 not being able to read or write, the guy'd say, "Take a left here." And Eddie didn't know his left from his right when he was thirteen. So we have to guess. Yeah. So he found a way to survive in a world where, where, you had to read and write, and but he found a way to survive, and he still finds that way to survive
1: in can today's he, modern world. Ken, I'm fascinated by talking to some people who have dealt with illiteracy and the lengths that they would go to, to try to cover it up a little bit, to make sure nobody found out about it. Uh, yeah. did he have, did he have the same challenges?
2: Eddie never covered it up. Uh, it just, it kind of was a thing. I mean, when he went to the, got to the NHL, everyone knew he couldn't read. I mean, but it kind of, it kind of made its way around the league. I'm sure he said, Bobby Bond, when they played against each other early in Eddie's career, would always be on about not knowing how to read. And Eddie said he'd score a goal and he'd skate he'd skate by Bobby Bond, he'd say, Hey Bond, cat, B, A, T, you know, things like that. So he never hit it. <laughs> yeah. He kinda I think I think uh I think one of the strong things about Eddie Shaq is he embraced his shortcomings and that it's kind of made him who he is. Instead of hiding. And trying to say, oh man, I, I got to pretend I can read. He just admitted he couldn't and and rolled with it. I think that's a valuable lesson. Maybe a lot of us could learn. You know, if if you're not good at something, maybe just admit it and and roll with it. So that's that's one thing Eddie did. Because yeah, but by, by the time he got to the NHL, it was, it was a well-known fact he couldn't read, and he, he didn't really try to hide it from anyone. Although Phil Esposito in the book says Eddie always would be reading the paper. He'd always be reading the stocks. So the boys say Eddie couldn't read, but he could count one million, two million, three million, four million. <laughs> he, he knows how to count money. I can tell
0: you that. Well, I tell you what, he did what he had to do. Um, yeah. Ken, what is there a story that people are going to get in the book that, uh, as it came out of his mouth, you uh, you found. Uh, you, you never had any idea of it uh, or that was just astounding to you? Any a- Anything like that where you just went, wow. Yeah.
2: yeah um, so there's a lot of personal stories. There's a lot of hockey stories. Um, Eddie's stories are short and explosive because he's going for that laugh, right? He doesn't keep you hanging too long. The stories about him getting his driver's license and learning to drive, I'll I'll say this. I won't tell you how he lost his driver's license, but he did lose his driver's license at 13 and a half. But the good news is he got it back at 14. <laughs> and let, let me just say, um, uh, speeding may have been involved. Um, the fact <laughs> that the fact that he, he just kind of casually mentions, like he literally casually mentions in some stories. Yeah, so me and the guys from the old Dominion, I was working at Dominion stores back then. And we we'd had Wednesday afternoons off, so we'd go drink it. And I'd, and I'd go, whoa, 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 whoa. You'd go drinking. Because, yeah, on Wednesday afternoons, we hit the bar. I'd go, aren't you 13 here? And he'd say, yeah. Yeah, so we'd go drinking. i go, no, 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 no. <laughs> go to the bar when you were 13? Yeah. i just, like, casually mentioned things like that, right? Yeah. And just, like, some of the things he do did were hilarious. Like, he, he bought this 55 Meteor with a signing bonus, and he'd, he'd just take it to the racetrack, the race, to try to make money, you know? And it just... These, uh, the, the, there's a really funny story about the house he bought in Los Angeles. I mean, he bought it on the side of a cliff. He got it for half price because the previous owners thought it was going to fall off the side of a cliff. And he thought, <laughs> wow, 50% off. So he bought this house. And there's a story in the book where it almost slides off the side of the cliff. And I mean, he's, Eddie's brave. He's really brave. And uh, that's one thing you'll see throughout the book. Like this is a guy who's not afraid to take chances at, whether it's on the ice or in business and the, the stick fight stuff with Larry Ziedel, Robin, that's going mm-hmm. to blow any young fans, like they're not going to believe it Like not only has he been in a stick fight, he's in two doozies with the same guy, 10 years apart, yep. so when I'm listening to him talk about a stick fight, I mean I'm an old school hockey fan, I knew what happened but but he's describing the sound of it and it's just kind of it's kind of jaw dropping, so yeah, this is a this is the type of player that doesn't exist anymore. If he does if he does exist, he's not having stick fights anymore. So just just things like that.
1: Can hardly wait for the book to come out and it's coming out the end of October, right?
2: Yeah, it'll be out uh, around October 20th. The best way to get it is through frameworksports.com. Um it's going to be uh, probably an online venture to start, but it'll trickle into bookstores, but if you buy it at framework.com, uh, we'll Eddie will probably be signing a bunch of the books too. So you make sure you get a signed copy for sure.
1: Hey, can we talk about some other stuff as well today?
2: Absolutely. We can.
1: Well, Robin's got, Robin's
0: got a great lead question for you. Are you ready, Robin? What the hell is wrong with you guys out there? (laughs) (laughs) I, I just saw a graphic that said leading score, whatever it was, the last three seasons in October, Austin yeah. Matthews, I yeah. mean, tell you've been out here, Ken. Now you're yeah. out there, so it's kind of like having somebody behind enemy lines. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. What is this? Uh, are we just getting trolled with the Austin Matthews constant mentions? And second question: Why the fascination with Connor McDavid? He doesn't look ha- he doesn't look happy, you know.
2: He, he, no. So here's, here's my theory on Austin Matthews. Okay. Okay. When is the last time that Toronto Maple Leafs had someone, you, you could argue and I'm not saying he is Robin, but who you could argue is the best player in the game. The answer is never. They've never had a Gretzky. They've never had a LeFleur and that's no disrespect to Daryl Settler, Doug Gilmore, because when Daryl was going, Bobby Orr and LeFleur was gone. When Doug Gilmore was gone. Gretzky and Lemieux were going. Right. Uh, when Frank Mihaljevic was going, if you want to go back that far, the Rocket was going and Bellivo was going. So they've never had the best player in the world. Combine that with the fact that, yes, it's the center of the universe and the kid is going to get some media love. Now, on on your behind enemy lines theory, <laughs> I take great, great pride in having worked out west and being from out east. And trust me, Robin, it comes up all the time. Guys, no, no, no. That's not the right lead tonight. Just people outside of the GTA don't care about this. And I, I fight that fight a lot. Sometimes mm-hmm. I win, sometimes I lose. But you'll be happy to know that I do fight that fight. And there's, there's things I'll say. And I'll go, guys. Guys, nobody outside of Toronto cares about that. And you know, I, I think that that's good. That we have a few of us. Well, not more than a few of us. We have a lot of us that, that are from out west or from out east, and we. We fight that fight because we are a national network, and you got to remember that. I think that's very important. Very important. And what was your Connor McDavid question?
0: Well, you know, people out there, be it Cahal Kelly or take your pick, there's an annual Connor McDavid doesn't look happy. uh, Yes you know the body language thing well he doesn't look happy because he's a competitive kid and he wouldn't be what he is today if he wasn't and losing sucks and the Oilers do too much of that but beyond that this there's actually been things written and I'm sure you've read them and you're not going to toss people you work around under the bus I I understand that but can you cut it with the It would probably be better for Connor and the league as a whole if McDavid was in, like, let's say, uh, Toronto. Of
2: course it would be. Just stop it. Listen, here's the deal with Connor McDavid and the happy look. He's never looked happy. Watch his stuff from Erie. He's not a smiley rah-rah type. At least he's never come off that way when I've watched him play. So I'm not going to get into that. But, yeah, trust me. Trust me, I, I, the Toronto narratives I find are hilarious. I absolutely find them hilarious. But it's uh, it's center of the universe syndrome, man. That's yeah. all I can tell you. And uh, uh, look, I I really like Toronto. I like it. The people are friendly. But I always say to them, guys, you got to get outside Toronto. You know, it's it's um there's a, it's a big country. It's a big country. So we got to get out. We got to get out of the about. But as long as the major publications are coming from Toronto, you're going to get those articles. But that's – but, I mean, geez, guys, we could get into a whole conversation and that's the problem with uh, with media now is that small papers are dying and, you know, there's no local sports in, in cities like Edmonton sometimes anymore or cities like Saskatoon, and we're getting all our, our media from one spot. Like, it, let me put it this way, Robin, if, that, if an article was written in 1982 – about Wayne Gretzky would be better off playing for the Leafs. Would you guys have even known about it back then? No. Like, exactly. Yeah. So, like, you know, everybody would have been subscribing to the Journal or to the Sun. Uh, but freaking newspapers are dying, which drives me crazy. Look what happened to Sports Illustrated. we go on and on. But I mm-hmm. just think yep. with more centralized media, we're just getting those stories now because it's it's uh, you're noticing it. And, and yeah, it's, it's clickbait. And you could also say, well, it's a Toronto paper. Of course they have to have that angle because they're writing for Toronto people. But now we we get the Toronto angles when we're in places like Edmonton or in Halifax.
1: You're bringing up a great point here. We're almost going down a little different road here because I remember chatting with Jamie Campbell when he had come yeah. here from his, his hometown's Oakville. And he, yeah. he came here and it was an absolute eye-opener for him. And, and I worked with him at CBC here, and he he he, he loved it here. Absolutely loved mm-hmm. it here and said, I just didn't know enough about the rest of the country when yeah. I came out to Edmonton, and I learned so much more. And maybe that's the problem in Canada is we don't appreciate the other parts of the country because we haven't really gone there.
2: We travel everywhere except across Canada.
1: I know. people
2: People brag about going to Europe. People brag about going to Mexico or wherever, but nobody from Vancouver brags about going to Halifax, probably because it costs so dang much to fly within Canada. But I think I'm I'm trying not to brag here, but I guess I'll brag having worked in, you know, Halifax, Ottawa, Edmonton, Calgary, Toronto, I got at least a little perspective of what those towns are like and what they want. And I think that helps a little bit when you're on the national media. Um, I think it's, it's great that for years, the voice of Hockey Night in Canada was Bob Cole, who's from St. John's, Newfoundland. So he could relate to, I think, to every listener that was out there. He, he was broadcasting Leafs games and Canadians games, but he knew how much that game meant to a guy in Cornerbrook or a guy in Sycamore, B.C., because he's from a small town. Um, I take pride in being from a small town and, and knowing that, you know, on a Saturday night where I'm from in Picton, Nova Scotia, the biggest social thing on the go... Isn't that there's some big concert in town? It isn't that there's a big theater show in town It's that Hockey Night in Canada is on. And that's, to me, a special thing about hockey and, and Hockey Night in Canada. It does bring us all together. But we got to remember, and, and you're right, like people, we don't travel enough within Canada. So it's, you know, to, to, to have a network and have a newspaper or something like that is important. I think to have representation from all over the country so that you don't get that. Eastern bias or Western bias or whatever bias people may perceive.
0: Well, Ken, and let's face it, I'll sound like Father Time here because I mean, you're not uh, you're not in the mill and top knot crowd. You're older than that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm older again. Still, you know, newspapers die, uh, and not just small ones and let's face it, with the news cycles now, the demand for content is there, and everybody's guilty of it. You mentioned clickbait. A lot of this stuff, you wouldn't even write or turn into an editor with a straight face even 15, Mm -hmm. 20 years ago. Now, you need content, you need clicks, you want eyeballs, you want listeners, and a lot of it, you can tell it's just a troll job right off the top, and you know what? That's part of the game. I'm not gonna yell at the clouds and gee, things used to be better. It is what it is, but I just smile when I read these, and I'm sure a guy like McDavid does too, because I tell you what, he looked pretty happy the other night when he was lighting yeah. it up. Um, yeah. he, he hates losing, and guess what? Connor McDavid will look a lot happier in Edmonton when the Oilers start winning. It's as simple as that, and that goes right across the map and right in every NHL city, NFL a uh, major league baseball. If you're smiling and grinning and, sla- and slapping ass when you're losing hockey games or games, period, you're probably not as competitive as you should be. Yeah,
2: I wouldn't want you on my team. Uh, I'll yell at Clouds, so Robin. Good really? for you. Uh, I will because I mean, <laughs> look at what happened to SI. Like that is just that, yeah. that. That kind of that kind of that's the kind of the final stamp, don't you think, on the print side of things? Just because, I mean. I remember when i I'm not old but man when I went to start covering the NHL a guy would have a story a print the print guy would have the story to write at after the game yep. now and or you'd go there to work on a feature in the morning yep now Robin you know remember when they tried to make you guys have cameras when you were with the sun I remember Rob Tchewski just kind of freaking out he had to hold a camera and stuff and <laughs> it's just you're right like you, you, if you're just click sending out six quick thing today, day what's happening to that one quality piece you should be working on yeah and that's i'm 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 right there with you but i'm i also know that that train that ship has sailed you yeah. know that that's over so well I, there, the other thing is there is quality work out there there's really good stuff out there it's just sometimes you just gotta hunt it down yeah
0: yeah it's true there's a lot of young talented people doing some good work yeah. si used to be for me uh the best in sports writing good Michael Farber uh, was there for years. I mean, we had a we had the old subscription that showed up in the mailbox when I was a kid, sure. you know. and Me too. I kept a copy with. I think it was Jim Kick, Mercury Morris, and Larry Zonka on the cover. I remember that the, cover. I the had Dolphins. them on my wall. <laughs> that's 73, yep. 4. Wow. But, you, hey, know, you guys are
1: older than me. Yes,
0: we are. <laughs> and the hockey news, again, the hockey news used to be the hockey bible. And guess what? Absolutely. Neither SI or the hockey news are what they once were. Sorry. just yep. They just aren't. Yeah, it's
2: just that's just a reflection of the way. Of the way uh, the way she goes, as Ray would say from Trailer Park Boys. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but there, I think that the other thing is there's there's really awesome stuff out there. It's just there's all this other stuff, and I honestly wish I I I subscribe to the Journal Star proudly because I believe in quality journalism, and I just think that it's nice to to know that what I'm reading is factual and accurate, as opposed to there's so much stuff out there. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
2: you don't you don't know what's real anymore. And but it but if you subscribe to the right places, it's real, and I think that's people should know that when they read something on Sportsnet uh, or on CBC or on the Toronto Star, it's a, it's real, it's factual. When they read, you know, Jim's hockey takes and he's talking about the the trade he heard about, well, whatever. And I don't mean to dish bloggers because there's a lot of good ones out there, but I still think if if you're getting your news from a reliable source. That's where you should be getting it from, not from Facebook posts and things like that. So I'll be the guy yelling at the cloud.
0: There you go.
1: Hey, and before we let you go, how does a crazy Maritimer like yourself work a desk with uh, Ivanko Osmak and uh, <laughs> keep a straight face? And you guys, there's, it's a great partnership, great energy. You. You, you guys work exceptionally well together, Ken.
2: Thanks, Bryn. Appreciate that. Uh, Ivanka is really easy to work with. Um, they paired us up. Eight years ago, when I got there, they said, You're going to work with a bank. I said, That's fine. And uh, we just kind of hit it off. Um, As you guys know, you know me a little bit. I'm pretty easy going. Um, And we just have fun. We just, we don't, we do do not rehearse anything before the show starts. What you see is natural. The show's live. Um, We don't get our highlights before we go on because we're at 10 Eastern shows so and the games are still going on or just wrapping. Right. So we're, we're, when they roll the highlights of, let's say the Leafs Oilers game, we're seeing them at the same time you're seeing them. Now I might've watched the game at night, but if they rolled up highlights of the Penguins Columbus game and I haven't watched it, I'm seeing it at the same time you see them. So the reactions are, they're real. And, uh, we just kind of play off each other and, It's, uh, I guess, along the lines of the Eddie Shack book of Eddie just kind of sitting there with you and talking with you. Ivanka and I, I guess our thing is, we didn't set out to do it, but I guess our thing is we're just sitting there watching the highlights the same time you are. And we react hopefully the way you do. The only difference is you got your home drinking a beer and (laughs) we're probably not drinking on set. So that's the
1: difference. Probably not. Probably is the (laughs) the key word there. Hey, listen, thanks for your time. Good luck with the book. And Friend, uh, Robin,
2: thank you guys. This has been fun. And we'll oh, talk time. I this I'll do this again.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, we will talk again. Thanks, Ken.
2: Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
0: Thanks, Ken. Take care of that forehead, huh?
2: Yeah. Yes, I think you might have figured my secret out, Robin. <laughs> <laughs> the, See you, Val. The disappearing tea. That's my next book. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Pro Am Sports is Edmonton's home for sports and entertainment memorabilia featuring unique collectibles and apparel. We've got you and your fan cave covered. Pro Am Sports, located in Edmonton at 12728 St. Albert Trail and proamsports.ca. You know what, Robin? We have a guy who has been on the Edmonton Eskimo Beat for eleven years. Oof. Oof. The last few years have been a little tough, I've got to think, but introduce your fine friend
0: to us. Uh Jerry Matajong, post media scribe. Extraordinaire. <laughs> Honestly, if hey, when when we said let's talk Eskimos, we I said let's talk, let's talk with Jerry. Uh, he's there all the time. Yeah. Um you know, there's some serious questions that need to be asked. I think about this team, given what we've seen, not only this season but last season, and uh, I think we got the guy. Where do you want to start? You want to start with the head coach
1: first? I mean, this is uh, Robin, and I've been talking now for weeks about the fact that he's really got to get himself to the Grey Cup game to save himself. But do you see it that way?
3: Um, you know what? It's hard not to to take one look and and uh, you know I think it's going to take a at least a, a minor miracle here in the playoffs for, uh, for for Jason Moss to have any sort of a future extended beyond this year. I I, I don't think that's a, a stretch to think at all. Um, uh, I mean, without without breaking it down to do that, we'd have to go all the way back to the uh, the, the beginning of the the off season. Uh, if you guys got a few minutes,
0: sure. <laughs> yeah, we're here. Tell us about it.
3: Seriously. Well, let's, uh, let, let's look, let's, let's think back and, and uh, look at what priority number one was, uh, you know, assuming uh, they, they were going to, they were going to lose Mike Riley. Let's call, let's call priority number one, re-signing Mike Riley. Okay. Uh, so, so the Eskimos, what they did, Brock Sunderland just opened the books, said here, Mike, you know what, sign your, sign your, uh, your own check here. Um, so that wasn't the reason he didn't come back. Uh, obviously, uh, Vancouver is a pretty, pretty attractive place, uh, especially with a, a, family in the Northwest, uh, of the United States. Um, so priority number two becomes, uh, you know, replacing Mike Riley and you're not going to, I guess, you know, you're not going to pull Bo Levi Mitchell away. So what's your next best option? If you look at the numbers, uh, Trevor Harris, um, man, he had some pretty impressive numbers. Yes. Uh, he, he, didn't win that great cup, uh, uh-huh. You know, he didn't play in the one where uh, he was going to until he was passed by Henry Burris. What was that, uh, 2016? Uh, you know, basically running out the tunnel, uh, getting passed by the QB, who was uh who I, I think it was a hand injury would have kept him uh, out of that one. Anyways, uh, so so Trevor Harris, uh, and of course he's also coming off before that loss to Calgary here in the Grey Cup. What was it, six touchdowns, the CFL record against uh, against Hamilton in the mm-hmm. East Division final. So. <laughs> Not a bad, especially if you look at who Ottawa picked up to replace in their their quarterbacking position. Um, you know, I wouldn't even com- compare what they lost with what they have now. So anyways. It's a pre- pretty
1: good recovery is what it was. <laughs>
3: pretty good recovery. Now, it wasn't just quarterback. Let's let's look at that trio that came for it. Now, obviously, Sir Vincent Rogers didn't play a lick of left tackle because of an unfortunate triceps injury in the off season, but Greg said So they come up with a, a trio of guys from there. Uh, boy, basically Hamilton's linebacking core, uh, as well as Juven Santos Knox. Now he also didn't play, but, um, they had a pretty good guy in, uh, in Vontae Diggs, uh, you know, just coming up, uh, from, from, uh, I think it was with the Washington Redskins, right. uh, in training camp anyways, or, or, you know, organized activities, whatever it was, he's, uh, He's been a splash there. So, um, man, I would say if you have Trevor Harris coming into a season like he was having when he was healthy before he got pulled, and, and I believe him, coming into this week, he still leads in passing yards. Does he not? I, I think he might be passed by Mike Riley uh, here on Saturday uh, after sitting out the last what was it three, mm-hmm. three and a half games. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's tough not to look at the fact that, you know, with the, the crew assembled, um, the season had heading up into the, the midpoint of the season well, sitting at six and three, they had the league's top defense, uh, league's top offense in, we're talking, you know, net yards here. It's, it's tough to look at the QB come in as a replacement, having the MOP season he's having, or at least was, yes. um, and, and the yards, they're, they're putting up offensively and, and not allowing defensively. And, and even points, defense was, you know, far and away over the first half of the year. It's tough. And, and you know, you're, you're, your starting quarterback goes down. Um, it's it's not really an excuse you can use this year. Just looking at, you know, seven of the other eight clubs have also lost their QB one at some point over the season here. Right. I'll accept Mike Riley And he's the one who's been been sacked the most. Which I is, know. Just wild to, to even look at that and figure out figure out what's going on there. But obviously the guys the guy's a warrior, and, and uh, you know what was he voted perennially the toughest guy in the league by his by his peers. So, anyways, if, if you look at the numbers they were doing the, the season Trevor Harris was having, um, it, it's tough to look at that and figure out why what's going wrong. Why is this not all translating to? Well, and and let's say, let's add C.J. Gable in the mix. Yeah, the, Edmonton isn't known for their running game. They do have the second top rushing yards producer in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, if you exclude you know guys who've been caught with PEDs this year, which is <laughs> another, another story yes, in it itself. Is. Absolutely. Um, so all these things going for them, everything pointed in the right direction, they can't translate it wins in the standings
1: well what about the red zone let they've been horrible in the red zone this season that's my perception i don't know if you see it the same way
3: well it's it's tough to argue and i you know they've been basically flirting with with 50 percent, you know touchdown efficiency in the red zone uh throughout the year um what were they one one for three visits last week with uh with logan kilgore in his third start the previous two uh what did he go two for two against Hamilton the first time around, and uh, two for three I think against uh, uh, what would that have taken us to Calgary and the no Ottawa sorry Ottawa last week and Hamilton the first time around so he was what four or five heading into heading into last weekend and that's where I think the trouble started last week's game I mean you have Hamilton basically march straight down the field score a touchdown
1: and then it's these all- guys have come
3: out. Are ready to go (laughs) Edmonton responds gets into the red zone and Logan Kilgore you know on a broken play uh scrambles out and heads over to the sideline and is uh I think set them up third and goal from the two which is a long two to kind of pick up on a QB sneak but my argument is what would have been what would have been the worst thing that could happen there you know, they get stopped at the one yard line and, and Hamilton comes out backed up right up against the wall, I guess. I mean, yeah. yes, there's a, there's a, a philosophy out there that you take every point in the red zone you can get, but I, I suggest when, you know, a playoff game is, is there for the taking, you're against the top team in the league who are at home and, and obviously just scored on you. Uh, you might want to maybe, you know, break out the, a, a new rule book or, or, you know, bend your philosophy a little bit. And sometimes you just got to go for it. I don't know if Logan's got to tuck his helmet and try to get that extra yard set up third and one, which is pretty good chance. You're going to score there. Or if they just go for it on third and two yeah. anyways. Um, what, when we're talking about these, all these things and and red zone. Yes. That's, that's the end of the drive, but you got also got to turn around and look at where they've started all those drives to begin with, and their return game has just been atrocious. Yes, Christian Jones has come in, and that was a the big. They gave up a lot in in Kenny Stafford going to Regina um, to bring in Christian Jones, but he, you know, at, at least has things pointed in the right direction in a return game that's just just been. I, I don't. It, you can't even call it atrocious. It's it's just been absent. It's been non-existent. In you know, in a lot of a lot of the time I've covered this team, and so when you're starting your drives. Farther back than normal and there, there's stats the league breaks down all the time when when the Eskimos, you know, start from the thirty-five, their win loss record is much better than when they started, you know, even a couple of yards back, shy of that on average. So it's it's wild to think that all these drives that are starting out deeper in their zone, they're getting all these yards, putting up all these offensive yards. And then these drives Peter out in the red zone now. Yeah. Is that connected? Well, it's it's tough not to think so.
0: Well, Jerry, you know, and you can go, uh, we can go on and on and on. And the details matter. They all add up to what we see. What I know is we've got a club that was six and three. We've got a club now that can't get out of its own way for a variety of reasons, which you've been laying out. Not every single one of them. Is the fault of Jason Moss, but as the head coach, they damn sure are his problem, and that's where we're at right now. So, where where does this team go from here?
3: Well, uh, I mean, where you go from here is, and when we talk about Jason Moss's tenure here, it, it's it's also pretty prudent to bring up the fact that no team in the league has been penalized more, uh, you know, since 2016 when he got here. Yep. And and this is the sort of thing in in my mind, anyways, where it, it comes from the top down, you, you know, players follow the, the leadership and it's all kind of formatted and, and set out by, by the coach. It's follow the leader. Um, now, obviously Moss has been a lot better on the sidelines since he's figured out, you know, well after the live Mike kerfuffle of a couple of years ago, that, that there is a TSN camera pointed at him at all times. Yes, right? yes, there is. So he's, <laughs> he's been, he's been much better. On, on the bench, in the public eye. Um, obviously, he, he says all all the right things when when he's talking to us, when he's breaking it down in the scrum, and I've, I have no complaints about about him there, for sure. He's, uh you know, he's the first to stand up and say, it is my fault, but like any coach, they'll, they'll blame execution as well and, and not being able to finish, and we've heard that time and time again this season, and, and it's the same thing last year under Riley. You know, you're at the league-leading QB. Duke Williams was on the team leading the league, and in receiving yards last year and it translated to a a 500 record that at that time wasn't enough to make in the playoffs. Now, fortunately this year, one more win will do it. Eight wins will get you in this year, just the way it's set up. But, uh, you know, yes, we'll either have to win one more or, that the teams below them lose out and stumble backwards in the playoffs like in, in 2012. Well, that, that leads
1: me to this question and we're, we're getting tight for time here, which is not a big surprise when we start talking fun <laughs> stuff like this, but it just seems impossible to me to believe that they could gas a huge lead and actually blow this. However, I guess the one thing they've got going is that they have the tiebreaker with BC.
3: Yeah, well that, that's true as well. Uh, but you don't want to, you know tiebreaker, you in. Like, look what happened in BC against Hamilton last year when, when they edged the Eskimos out for that final crossover spot. Uh, going to going to Hamilton and just gets smoked. Um, it's 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 not enough. And when I wrote my my analysis post game from this weekend's game back in Hamilton, uh, it, it's the the, the headlines just are playoffs even worth talking about for this team at this point it's you know they, they can't win on the road they can't beat teams better than them in the standings they they haven't beaten a team coming in with a winning record all season long which is not a good formula when you're you know needing a big playoff not just one playoff road win but your whole way to calgary if you're looking to get to that Grey cup final
0: well and jerry we talked about this briefly too i mean uh, the eskimos are going to get in uh, you know, we have to have a situation where BC wins out and the Eskimos lose out. So, yes, y- y- you climb one hurdle by taking care of your own business, as we like to say, by beating the BC Lions. But this team as it sits today with Trevor Harris, a question mark, uh, we don't know his status for sure. It's not going to matter. You're not winning anything going east with this club as it's playing right now.
3: They certainly haven't showed us that. That's for sure. And, uh, you know, the, the the question for them this week is, depending on how Harris is feeling, if he is, you know, status is playable, if he if he needed to, do you even send him back in this week? Or do you let him, you know, let the cards fall where they may? This, this team, even without him, I would argue, is certainly good enough to beat BC, um, as we've seen over the season. Uh, now, obviously, BC's on a tear here, but they're also on a pretty easy part of their schedule, I would argue. Do not hang on to Trevor Harris until after that bye week. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, even even if it means needing to, to split against Regina in the home-and-home home den, the regular season, just knowing that he's going to be that much better for you when it matters most.
1: The first place, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I just can't believe that. <laughs>
3: yeah. It's been wild, man. It's been This is exactly why they they – Get out there and play the games, and don't just let us all decide it on paper beforehand, eh?
1: Not uh, not to slag the green riders—they've they've they've been full value uh, (laughs) uh, for for where they are in the standings. Hey, listen, we we got a dash here, but I got to say one thing—I think your next month and a half is going to be kind of fascinating around here.
3: Yeah, well, I'll be paying attention. I'll tell you guys that much. Fresh air. And fun! Experience it all this summer in a new RV from Carefree RV. Trade up to the perfect bunk model from reputable brands like Winnebago and Forest River. So many floor plans and payments starting at just $53 bi weekly. Plus, one free year of Coach Net warranty on all RVs. Carefree RV, open seven days a week in Edmonton and LaDuke. Online, carefreerv.ca. Carefree!
1: Okay, time to wrap up. Podcast number, hang on a second. What is it? It's number eight. Can you believe it already? Eight. Yes, I can. <laughs> well, you're the one who keeps reminding me. I'm the one who, I lose track after a while.
0: No, nope, this is number eight. Until we get past my number of fingers and thumbs, uh, I'll be good for okay. remembering.
1: Well, there we go. And I'm now going to keep tabs on it. Hey, I don't know if you caught hometown hockey over the weekend. Did they, Christine Simpson, I'm going to give a real thumbs up to her. She did a story on hometown hockey. And it was about John and Wes McCauley, and about the fact that there's a family who's got a huge NHL, a proud huge NHL tradition of officiating in the National Hockey League. John McCauley was uh, one of the good guys; ha- had so much respect from the players when he he was officiating the league. Mm-hmm. And now you have Wes, who's who is a very good official, very charismatic official. That seems to rub some people the wrong way. I don't care. It's fun for me. I've never really seen too many players bitch and whine about the fact that he's a little dramatic, a little over the top. You know when Wes McCauley's doing a game, but it was
0: a great feature. I thought it was fantastic. Well, it's not like he's replicating uh, Leslie Nielsen's umpire act. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. Enrico Palazzo or whatever it was from The Naked Gun. You know what? Whether, you know, different generations like that, you get those officials. Sure. It's a great, it's a great story. Um... You know, whether it's generations of firefighters or, or cops or officials, um, it, you know, following in somebody in your family's footsteps, it's cool.
1: Pretty fantastic. If you get a chance to download it, do so. Uh, also, we missed something last week. Happy birthday to Mr. Goalie, Stony Plain good guy, Glenn Hall, who turned 88 last week. in the barn. Exactly. I still remember doing an interview with him once, and what we did was we did a tour of his face, and we said, "Okay, what about this, what's this scar? Oh, that one there—that Bobby Hall, let one go in a practice once, and I didn't get out of the way quite fast enough. Or this one here was uh, a Pitt Martin practice—I got clipped right here. It was pretty funny, but man, oh man! It, it, but you want to talk about goaltenders playing without masks? He's just—he's such a classy individual." and uh, and he he kind of uh, took that up and ran with it. And it was a lot of fun for us when we were interviewing him. But what a great guy, and uh, just wanted to wish him happy birthday.
0: Yeah, happy birthday, Glenn. And maskless and five hundred straight games Now, You get a puck in the lid. If a strap pops loose, they stop the play. Not saying that's a bad thing, but a little context with what the old-timers played with. I know. It's pretty scary when you think about it. Coming up toward the end of October, we have a
1: special guest going to join us who's got a book out. Stu Grimson's going to join us on the 21st of October. Reaper. Looking very much to talking to the Grim Reaper. That'll be a blast. And also, we just want to remind you that we release our podcast number 9, on the Tuesday, because uh, we have a Canadian Thanksgiving holiday coming up, and we're taking it. We're going to enjoy it with our families. So our next podcast will be coming out on a Tuesday. And you can also email us at mightymouth at If you have any topic suggestions, you might want to tell us where to go with this show, uh, that kind of thing. We look forward to taking your feedback.
0: Yeah, l- let us know what you're thinking of. We only get better. Hey, tell us we suck. Tell us we're good. Something in between. We're game.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for your time today. This one just whizzed by.
0: It was yes, fun. It, did.
1: it was fun. The the two guests we had can talk, and we loved it. So it was great stuff. Robin, thanks.
0: See you next time, pal.
1: Okay, looking forward to it. Bye.
2: Recorded earlier because we were ashamed to do it now.